This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hi there and welcome to the Black Magic Podcast, where we celebrate the achievements, beauty, power and resilience of British Black women. This podcast is dedicated to sharing their inspiring stories, personally and professionally, and celebrating their universal awesomeness. Hopefully, something in their journey inspires you. I'm your host, Anika Allen, and today I'm talking to award-winning comedian, presenter, and all-around fabulous entertainer, and ITV's regular on Loose Women, Judy Love. How are you? Hey, I'm fine, especially after that intro. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> How are you? Looking gorgeous as ever. Thank you. So are you. I mean, just first and foremost, before we even get into the conversation, the all-black Loose Women, because I just mentioned Loose Women in the intro, how did you feel after that day? Because, you know, that was amazing. I mean, it was it was so emotional. I was surprised about how emotional I was afterwards. Like every single one of us, including um, floor management producers, directors, assistant producers and so on. It was an overwhelming feeling of like understanding the impact that you might have had in regards to someone else feeling like, they're not represented or feeling like they actually see their self. And when you look at the four of us, myself, Charlene, Brenda and Kelly, we're all unique in our own light as well. It was just a beautiful moment. You know, the fact that we even had Doreen Lawrence on there as well, and we still was able to talk about something serious, but still in the midst of it, laugh and celebrate her son's life and her life and achievement, what she's done for so many people even in the midst of her adversity and pain and grief and show just the different areas of life and complexity that women in general face, even if we're from different backgrounds. No, that episode was so powerful. And it was also a whole vibe, the music, the stories. I mean, (laughs) listen, let me tell you something, the producers, yeah. What was beautiful is that they just, let us be ourselves. That's what's quite nice about Loose Women, that yeah. they generally have you on there for your personality and who you are and your experiences. So that day, you know, you've got Jamaican, you've got, I'm sure, Barbados, St. Vincent, Saint, all different parts of the island, yeah. the Caribbean island. So having the music, talking about things we remember, reminiscing, it was so real. And I think that's what the audience picked up on. Yeah, whether they were black women or not, that's what they picked up on. Definitely, and I think it gave the audience that wouldn't normally get an insight into the lives of black women. Um, you know, they're like, oh, like they got an insight into the culture, and then us as black women that were watching, we were like, oh my god, we can see ourselves. This is amazing. Yeah, like, we're hearing our music, we're hearing stories that we can relate to, and mm-hmm. that's what was fantastic about it. But as much as and 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 we're 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 black women, we're British black women, yeah. we're mothers, we're teachers, um, you know, we're wives, we're partners, so much more to us. I'm proud of being a black woman, but sometimes people will try and use that as some kind of negative label. Yeah. So it was really important to show the beautiful, intelligent, comforting, articulate, creative and funny sides and talented sides of uh, these four, including myself, black women. Yeah. And and that came across and it was just, you know, it just felt so honest. But there was a bit of backlash online as well from, I guess, maybe some of the ITV regulars that seemed to have negative reactions. You know, how did you deal with that? 
Do you know how I dealt with it? I dealt with it in a way of like, okay, see you next week, babes. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, see you next week. <laughs> well, I don't know what else. What do What do you want me to do? But I'm not. It. It. You know. You saw. I saw a tweet, and it was like my wife was watching the loose movie, and I cannot believe it's four black women. I'm absolutely disgusting. She's so upset, and I. I just have to laugh. Yeah. I have to laugh. I can't get upset with things like that. Um. That's their personal opinion. That's how they feel. Uh, it's education and. It's not going to stop me from trying to fulfill, not trying, doing my passion. Maybe people like that, I don't know what the, we will, we know what the issue is, but, you know, where it stems from, that one tweet is not going to explain where it stems from. That one tweet is not enough for me to feel like I can't do this or I shouldn't do this Yeah, um, because I know I should. Because the, the positivity that came from it outweighed any negativity completely. And I think that's what you need to do with people that are negative online anyway. Otherwise, it just you it just end up down a rabbit hole if you're kind of looking at exactly near these things. For me, I've seen your journey from the beginning, and obviously been to a number of your shows. You've hosted the oh, Black Awards. Obviously, you've been doing amazing. <laughs> Tell me a bit about how that journey started to kind of getting to this point. I definitely feel like comedy is my purpose and entertainment. I feel like you know, in the midst of being a mum, in the midst of a breakup, in the midst of losing my mum, the place that I always went back to or the place, no matter where I was in, that seemed to light up a room was me chatting and making people laugh. There was times I would be at work and the work just was not stimulating me, like the office job, it wasn't stimulating me. And at that time for me personally, not saying it's not stimulating for anybody yeah. else, but it wasn't stimulating me at that time. And there were times where, it's like being out of my body and I've noticed I'm sitting there talking and everybody is laughing and crying. I'm like, well, what, what is this? Like, what is this? And I started to find that I was going to different places, things that had nothing to do with comedy. Mm. And I'd meet someone, they were like, you should be a comedian. Or I know a comedian, I think you should talk to them. I'd be like, stand up comedian. I never, ever thought of that. I thought of being a comical actress, but never stand up mm. comedian. So I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, because being funny with your friends and a glass of wine, that's one thing um, <laughs> compared to being funny standing up on stage and writing a set. And I think it just got to a stage where I thought, you know, I'm doing myself a disservice if I'm not making myself happy, mm. if I don't feel contented in life. You know, life is such a fickle thing at times, and I think we need to live in the now and be present. And when I started to be a bit more present, I realised that, I didn't feel like I was living. I just felt like a robot. I just thought, you know, I'm going to take the risk and start trying to do some comedy. Five minutes here, five minutes there. My friends' weddings or birthdays, I'd host. And from there, it was like, oh, dude, could you come and do this? Could you come and do this? And then it was like, oh, there's a show going on. When you kind of surrender yourself to those feelings, mm. it's hard sometimes because you get caught up in busyness. Uh, and it's hard sometimes to face things that's going on, whether that is feeling sad, feeling low, feeling depressed, feeling unsure, feeling confused. It's a scary place. It is. I'm going to be real for you to question if what you're doing is right, yeah. especially if you've got children, because you're like, listen, I ain't got time to question. I just got to make sure there's food in the house, bills are paid. I ain't got time to question. But when you actually do surrender to those feelings and try to, 
pictures of what is this about mm. um that's where you can have an honest conversation with yourself and that's what I did I had an honest emotional conversation with myself and doors doors definitely opened and and people's got to understand that you know when you're talking about doors open it's not necessarily door open straight away to ITB mm. it's uh the smaller doors that gradually lead up to these things this the the doors that gives opportunities like black magic awards and you know things like presenting I was so nervous because I'm dyslexic and worried about certain things and and people giving you those opportunities but you know deep down there's something that you could do it I might not pronounce the name right but you know I'll take the ownership but I'll make you laugh about something else I'll make you feel comfortable about something else bring some kind of vibe and um yeah that's when I really felt like I was living my purpose and I think that when you are living your purpose that's when God kind of starts making as you said making those things happen so it's almost like you're led led to these places when I look back on a journey you know there was a job that I went for and the job took five months five months to get I don't know what was going on with my CRB yeah but it was taking forever and I was at the time I was pregnant no actually when I applied for the job I wasn't pregnant (laughs) (laughs) by the time I had the interview and then was told I had the job. And maybe about four weeks after that, I ended up being pregnant. So by the time I started the job, I was four and a half months pregnant. Wow. Yeah. So when they told me I had the job and weeks went past and I realized I was pregnant, I, you know, I'm just quick. I want to start the job because I don't want to be showing. I'm a big girl anyway. And I was like, why is everything so long? Why everything takes so long? Oh my gosh, maybe I should have went for the other job. And da, 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 da. Got into the job and the manager was amazing staff was amazing and I was trying to hide my belly and um it was that place where I'd say definitely I met some amazing women some of these women I'm still in contact with now Mm. it was those women even though it was in a different capacity regards to the work the work was different they were supportive they were inspiring they were encouraging I used to look at them and feel like wow, you look at what they've been through and where they've structured their life and how they're successful. I can't not try to fulfill the things I want to do. And it was those same women that were saying, you should do comedy. Mm. You should do the comedy. It was those same women when I was in my worst situation. You had some more shifts. We've cooked you some food. Don't worry about that. We've got you. Like, it was those women, Jackie, Andrea, Vasti. It, it just made me realise that sometimes you can fight things or sometimes you wonder why Mm. but there was already a plan from the universe or from the most high it was already set in place you're a woman of faith and if yes what has God done in your life I'd say I'm definitely um spiritual and I feel like when I'm in those places which was deemed as being by yourself I'm not by myself Mm. that's what I think it's done um when I've been at my lowest of lowest being depressed and grieving and worrying as a single parent it's that little voice of faith that has kind of pulled me through um god has grown me grown with me being with me mm. um especially like i said when you feel like you're by yourself so i i feel like purpose faith aligning yourself listening to your intuition some people yeah. might see that as god some people might see it as your your gut those things really have 
fulfilled me in a way that to me I almost feel like it's more than just comedy it's more yeah. than just entertainment um like you said purpose that's what grounds me I always got to look back at okay what is this all right the check's nice but what is what is this about <laughs> you know what I mean that's what that's what it goes back to how have things been with you during lockdown kind of trying to work with your children you having to do the homeschooling they're up there right now doing the homeschooling I mean the homeschooling doesn't feel as bad because I feel like the schools have got much more of a structure they've done this mm. before um definitely my worries are because my kids are both at critical stages regards to my son is in year six so he'll be doing sats and going into first yeah. year of secondary my, my daughter's in her GCSE yes so just found out she's not going to do her GCSE mm. but there's still that worry of like their social needs there's still that worry of like if I don't understand the work yeah. um, and this time they're doing a lot more online classes last time it was work they were sending to them and we had to do it with them and that one I definitely struggled but now you know my son's online probably now and the teacher is live with the class and that has made it so much easier mm. what about for you personally how are you dealing with it for me personally I think with everything that's going on as the mum as a, as a single mum my feeling is to protect and to provide and to nurture so if them being in my home gives me the chance to keep them safe then that's what I've got to do I think I, I go into um lioness survival mode yeah um you know I do miss I love the kids right mm. I miss the little space and the silence sometimes like I had to go out yesterday this time I decided to drive mm. and it was like oh I could just play a bit of music I was eating my little cherries as I was driving it was just like that little hour by myself mm. was so needed um, and I think we shouldn't feel bad about that. I think we shouldn't feel bad because we're not having babysitters. There's no break. I think sometimes it does feel overwhelming. It must do for many other people. You've got the emails coming in from school, emails coming in from work, keeping the home clean, making sure there's food. And I think the other day I forgot, like, oh, gosh, they need lunch. They need <laughs> l- Like, I'm so used to making sure they have breakfast and making sure they have dinner. Then you're like, they've got to have lunch and then they want snacks in between. But, um, you know, I've got great friends, great companions, great people to speak to. If I'm honest, I think I've definitely felt a lot more worry and concern for people, mm. you know, people in general. And I think it's something that you have to kind of control so that you can be supportive, whether it's for your friends or your family, but have that place where you can outlet that. No, definitely. It's a worrying time, but I think we're staying positive. That helps because, you know, with our mental health and things. So mm-hmm. trying to yeah. do positive things, you know, read and say, go out for walks and yes. exercise and things, you know, video call family and friends and things. Yeah, and- I did that Christmas. I did so much video calling and it was so nice. I think yeah. sometimes if you know you're going to one family member and you go to another, you wouldn't even have time to video call the others. Mm-hmm. So luckily, because we wasn't driving up the day, I could video call all of my family. It was lovely. Speaking of just videos in general, that's one of the things that's been keeping a lot of people entertained in lockdown. The things that you've been doing on social media, particularly your <laughs> Thursday night, <laughs> date night. Quarantine, quarantine date night. Yeah. I mean, what made you decide to do that? 
But you know what? I, I felt like when we went into the first lockdown in March, April, I was like, yeah, I do funny videos and so on. And I wanted to hold a conversation with people, but in what capacity? I did a little podcast. It wasn't anything, but it was just really little thing. And I thought, oh, you know, you dip your fingers into many things. And I saw that a lot of people was trying everything. I didn't want to get down that road. So I thought, okay, I did a live and people came up and was chatting. And then after that live, it went really well. And I was like, people on that live, a lot of them were talking about, oh my gosh, I was supposed to have a date last week, this week, and so on. And there's a lot of single people going, oh, you know what? You know, and I'm single as well. Bless, I wonder how people are feeling about how they're going to date. You know, it's a joke at first. Like, oh my gosh, you've locked us down. I'm seeing my new man next week. <laughs> I should have gave up the things quicker. Like, oh my God, I've got to wait three months. Now, even though that's what Stevie Harvey said to do, but this is a hot mess. So it was like, let's do this quarantine date night kind of thing. Let's do this and see how, I don't even know how the name come up. And then we just started from there in April. And I mean, it's just gone international now. Mm-hmm. I love quarantine date nights. I mean, when we first started, it was Tuesdays and Thursdays. And would you believe it was going for five hours live? Crazy. Five <laughs> hours. And my kids, they're like my little producers. Honestly, they're my little assistants. They're, they're bring the light they were like mom it's 10 to it's 10 to come on let's get ready do you need a juice like oh. watch out for these kids they're going to be directors and producers um without a doubt they were like no mom the angle this way your hair mom they're so you need a snack they're so everything that starts off they're there they're the ones that bring it mm. so you know as time went on i cut it down to just a thursday every week and then i cut it down to Every other Thursday. I think we're on like season three now. The beautiful thing about quarantine date nights is all ages, all ethnicities, all cultural backgrounds, all religions. I mean, all sexual, um, you know, backgrounds. It's absolutely fabulous. And then we had as well, couples would come on yeah. and they would give advice. We have some experts that come on. And then we was throwing out, what would you do if this, da, 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 and people's answer this question and telling us this. I mean, we've had some stories. <laughs> you have. <laughs> stories where my mouth is on the floor and some stories which were so serious, you know, where we had to signpost and give help. So I've taken away now the subject because I want to ensure, you know, when you're getting 3,000 people live, mm. I can't ensure that people are going to be safe in that sense when they hear something that might be a trigger yeah so you know if it was in the studio and so on then I know I can kind of govern it um or at the end you can put something but it's so hard in that live moment to ensure that someone might hear a story and it might be a trigger and we can't support them you know because not everybody's going to speak out and say oh that was a trigger for me or so on so we kind of drawed back on some of the what if this happened or have you been in this situation? Most of them were funny questions, but people would come with some stuff that was like, whoa. Mm. Um, so now we're just back to like, yeah, what's your name? How old are you? But they still tell us their stories in the midst of it. And it's been great. I know. Between the kind of quarantine date nights and the work that you're doing on TV and things, I would say that your kind of celebrity kind of star status has kind of in the last year in particular has grown kind of exponentially I mean how do you feel about that and how and how are you handling the kind of the growth and the kind of I guess more attention on you um how do I feel about it it I feel it's I it's I can't I don't know if I can I, I must can explain because I'm always <laughs> chatting um 
you know, when, obviously when I'm stopped on the street and stuff now, like, you know, I'm so blessed and so grateful because these are people that have watched and shared and clicked and liked and commented and have come to see me. And I, I so appreciate it and I so value them. And that's why I make the content. I don't really gravitate to the whole stardom stuff that much. You know, I feel like people appreciate my gift and my passion to entertain them. But it's the same like if you was doing a nine to five and when I worked with young people and, and families and helped to maintain them together and support them through certain things, it's that same kind of feeling, you know, of, of, of gratitude. And yes, I've done something. And it goes back again to the whole purpose. But um, it's, you know, it's, it's just a blessing, I suppose. It's a blessing. Do you ever feel the pressure to kind of modify your image or your content to appeal to kind of a wider audience? That's a good question. I don't think I do. I feel like I move with the times. My social media wasn't built from being on TV. It was built mm -hmm. beforehand. I've got the power to kind of be like, yeah, this is me, no makeup, no eyebrows, this is what I'm wearing, this is my natural hair, this is this, this is this. I don't have to conform. I yeah. might lose weight, I might not. It's To lose weight would never be about, oh, I want to look like this for TV or anybody else. It would be about, I've got two kids, I'm 40, I need to make sure I'm here for them, I need to know I'm at my best health. I'm quite confident in just being who I am. So far that has worked for me. I love your natural hair. I mean, I love all the styles you have anyway, but when you have your natural hair, it's it's so beautiful and so kind of thick and, and things. What kind of things do you, you do? You know, it's not even that thick. It's quite, it's quite light and thin, but it's because of how it's curled. My natural yeah. hair, I maintain it well because I don't have it out all the time. Mm. You know, if I'm filming two or three times a week, and sometimes if you're doing different shows, even the same show, you're, you could have the different hairdresser and different makeup artists. I don't believe in too much people having their hands in your hair, you know, especially Afro hair. Yeah. And that's just not something I want. So I will have, you know, I'll look at my stretch of work and I'll know like, okay, I'm having this amount of work. I might put a weave in and it's done by a particular woman. We got Morels, Sabrina. That's who you do my hair. She'll look after it. She'll maintain it so that I know it's not getting the pressure of heat pulling combing experimenting oh this is so nice like can I feel it like it's not getting all of that kind of um stuff done to it and it's protected and then I could just take out my crown my <laughs> natural hair and you know just show it and and embrace it and I love it that's the beauty of black beauty in general isn't it the versatility and things and I just love how um how you can you know you'll see you on you know loose women in your hair be one star see you on the gram and you know you just switched it up and stuff and both yeah both, both looks look amazing and even, yeah even fashion wise I would say that over the kind of the last kind of couple of years and things your fashion probably like slightly changed and stuff but I'm loving yes. it these days Judy I'm loving it thank you thank you you know what it is it's more confidence and uh, more experimenting and you know before yes I'd say maybe 10 years or so I put myself together quite well. You yeah. know, my friends were, oh, I like your shoes, or where did you hear? My hair was always immaculate. You know, it wasn't much on the makeup, just needed an eyebrow and a lip liner, and I was good mm -hmm. to go. But I always carried myself. And then you go through periods of, you know, having a child, loss, grief, losing yourself, and not comfortable in yourself, comfortable in your body, comfortable in your mind. And that really does 
affect how you treat yourself. And then I think I've over these last year, I've definitely gone on a journey of self-care more. You know, it's okay. Get yourself those shoes. It's all right. You know, go for a little walk. Do a little bit more exercise. Take care of your hair. You know, when you're doing stand up, it's such a like get that train, get to the place. Mm-hmm. You're nervous. Stand up, come back to the. You know, so you get into that kind of routine. And one thing I will say, on the black circuit, oh, you better put yourself together because <laughs> people they're coming out to watch comedy, but they want you to dress up. Mm-hmm. So I think from there, starting to have to look a certain way in the sense of okay do the hair put a little bit of makeup that definitely got me back into the groom of like all right let me try this let me do a little dress let me do a little this mm-hmm. and being on tv they you know your face has to be quite made up anyway um and so then being able to pick actually I like this or this speaks well and this suits me um it's just been it's just been great no, I said you're yeah. definitely looking good. Skin always, skin always looks flawless as well. I oh, please. These eyes, that's called concealer. Let me, let me tell you something. When I'm not on TV, more time when people see me, I mean black leggings and a T-shirt <laughs> and trainers. That's, that's it. Hair in a bun. If you see me dressed up on the street, I've come from filming or something, or I'm, I'm going out, which we're not doing anymore. I, I dress down a lot more when I'm not on TV. I still put myself together, but I want that comfortability. Not that I'm not comfortable on TV, but obviously it's a heightened um, look. So I just feel that people need to be comfortable in what they're wearing. It's about letting women know it's okay. Mm. I did a video one time of me in a nighty with my hair in like Judy plaits, And I was saying, I need my future husband to know sometimes I'm going to look like this. Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay. <laughs> okay the food will still be cooked the house will be clean the kids are nice but sometime I'm gonna look like this and this is how it is you mentioned earlier you were talking about um, having to deal with kind of grief and loss and things and a lot of people are having to deal with that at the moment what mm. and I know you mentioned kind of like I guess the kind of self-care and being on the circuit kind of helped you kind of mm. put yourself together in terms of mm. the aesthetic mm. and things but what helped pull you through kind of um just generally having to deal with that loss your mum what I had delayed grief, what I would say to people is allow yourself to feel. Mm. You know, it's easy to get distracted. Allow yourself to feel. The thing with grief, it gives you no warning. You know, you could be fine for weeks and then it, you just see something or you smell something, the food that they, and you're, you, you're just gone and you have to allow yourself to feel those emotions. Yeah. And, and and process it. You know, think of the things that they have done which has kind of supported you to be in the place that you are. Yeah. And, and and celebrate that. Celebrate that you still have life and actually how they would want you to carry on living. Yeah. You know, that is really important. But it's every individual is different. Everybody it's different circumstances. And what I would say to people who are supporting people is that one of the hardest things for me was after you see after the person's passed and after the funeral, after the funeral, that's when it's hard because mm. everybody just goes back. It's, oh my God, everyone's life goes back to normal. Yeah. And that's when people still need to be contacting people. People still need to be turning up at people's house because that's when they're really, really feeling it. Definitely. Because you've had the nine nights and when, just before pre-COVID when you could kind of have all these things and you, have people and there every day, cooking, drinking, talking, being around, and then and then no one. Um, mm. 
And I think as well, this COVID um, situation is, oh man, it's horrific. You know, people are not able to see loved ones until mm-hmm. days of funeral. You know, you can't even see the loved ones depending if they've died from COVID. There's so much that people don't know that is going on. And this is a different level of grief for many. Definitely. Um, and it's going to take a community, serious, serious emotional and mental health support to get through people. People, you know, are living with someone 10 days later, they've passed away, haven't been able to see them for the 10 days, can't see them again, and then they're at a funeral. This is not normality. Mm, it's not. This is not normality. It's something else on top of grief. We're isolated. We're separated. You can't have the aunt and the uncle and the niece and the cousin come around the house, one wash you, one plait your hair, one cook the food, one change your kids, make sure they're all right, one clean that. Because for me, culturally, that's how it is. Yeah. Someone passed away. You've got one auntie that would turn up the food, another one that's cleaning, the other one sorting out the kids, the other one making the phone. You might even have one that's washing you and taking care of you. That's how it is. Now, to not have that support network after loss, I can't even fathom it. It's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just keep supporting people and allow people to to just feel, you know, that sometimes it might even be a phone call that's like, "You all right?" And they're like, "Yeah," and you just sit on the phone silent with them. Mm-hmm. It could be just that, okay. you know. It might be you go to the house and you sit outside on the wall. You know, it, it it might be just that text, it might be a card, but just allow them to be present in what they're feeling. Mm. Yeah, I find like, send the heart emoji, like I sometimes just send heart emojis to kind of thing, just to say like, I'm thinking I'm of thinking you. I'm thinking of it, yeah. And if they want to respond back, then and to go into a conversation, then I'll you know, have a message or give them a call after that and things, mm-hmm. or like, a friend or how are you feeling on a scale of like one to five, you know, like, mm-hmm. like um, one being like, really horrible five being great kind of thing and stuff just to kind of gauge if they if they don't want to because not everybody's good good at communicating how they're feeling and things and so and I, I do feel like we have a culture of all right come on now get get better come on come on come on now stop the barley now come on come on mm-hmm. and we have to be really careful with that obviously you want people to get to a place where they can function again you know that mm-hmm. they feel like they can but just allow allow people to feel what they're feeling in a safe space the safe space meaning whether that's by phone or if you are one of their bubbles that they can say and if any even they can't say they can verbally physically whatever it is kids holding their head whatever it is that they can they can do that mm, no, definitely. without being judged yeah exactly i mean no it's great advice judy and speaking of advice, you know, you're 40 now, you're fabulous at 40. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I'm trying to take that year back. I'm like, I'm 40 this year because last year didn't count. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. It's true. Listen, I, I, I say it's played out as well. Continue the celebrations. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. But how, um, if you could kind of go back to your younger self and give yourself kind of any kind of advice, what would you tell yourself? Oh, I would tell myself that, ooh, God, I tell myself a lot. I would tell myself I'm enough. Mm. That's one thing. To speak up, speak out. Yeah. 
it's okay, your voice is valuable and will be heard, I would tell myself, put, put down the second plate of curry goat. <laughs> <laughs> On a fork that you was digging out of the pot when mum weren't there. <laughs> That's what, go back for the first piece of fried chicken, I'll tell her, put it down. <laughs> down. Um, yeah, I think, and, and keep dreaming. Keep pushing. The, all those ideas, all those thoughts, it's great. It's fine. With those dreams and everything you've achieved so far, what's been your proudest moment? Oh, that's really hard. What's been my proudest moment? That's really, really hard. That's an, that's a hard one. Mm. I think my proudest moment. Oh, that's really hard. I, I, I can't put it into one because I feel like I'm still on a journey. I feel like my proudest moment is, it might not differ from the question, but I think it just more of an open answer. My proudest moment is when anyone, especially my children, can look at me on TV or on a video or, or doing something that's made them laugh and feel like, yeah, I could, yeah, I could do that. Or I could do something like feel inspired. That will be, that's always my proudest moment, you know, and, 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 and having that acknowledged from my kids and, and doing things that are groundbreaking. Mm. Those definitely are my proudest moments. Amazing. So what's next for you, Judy? What, what have you got coming up? What should we be looking Ooh, at? Oh, I can't stand. Tell us, man. Well, Tell I've, us. Got, I've, got some, I've got some couple of things coming through. Still got quarantine date night. Uh, still on Loose Women, my one woman show. I'm in the process of writing that now. Uh, and that's a real journey because um, it's much more into myself than, you know, my other show that I was doing which was, you know, about half an hour, 45 minutes set. This would be like an hour set. So I'm quite nervous about this. Um, you know, looking at different things, podcasts, books, um, and just expand my personal experiences for people to hear and listen and, and engage in and, and bring the funny. I, I, you know, for me, it's TV and everything is everything, and I love it, but I originate from being a stand-up comedian. I cannot wait to get back on that stage. You know, that's one of the things. Uh, that's one of my real passions for this year. And are there any other kind of comedians that inspire you or that you kind of look up to? Yeah, Gina Yashere, without a doubt. Mm. You know what I mean? She's definitely, she's like, uh, you know, mummy comedian that I think just her fire and her honesty. Um, Whoopi Goldberg from back in the days when she kind of did her own thing. I think that's what's really important and I think that's what you've always got to remember as well like how it started you know mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with change I think sometimes people get scared I think change no like, there's nothing wrong with changing it's called growth exactly. um, and I think that's really important so Gina always reminds me that growing your material and and, and not being too frightened to kind of be yourself on that piece of paper when you're writing them jokes. Mm -hmm. What's real to you? They're more than a quick gag. Uh, that's that's really. I think we're at this time. We've gone through a pandemic, um, riots uh, in the United States, thousands of lives lost. I don't think 
we need to pit a pattern no more. Uh, mm. We can be quite revolutionary in our own forms of creativity and not for harm, but for healing and for education and for truth. And that's what I hope to do. I think that's a beautiful way to end this show, Judy, and great <laughs> advice for, for those um, listening. So, and just a reminder, how can people get hold of you if they want to keep up to date with all things Judy Love? They can, they can, uh, oh, sorry, can I just say, definitely one of my highlights of the year was, you know, making history uh, with Luz Rubin mm. and these four, three amazing women, Kelly, Charlene and Brenda. Um, and, now yeah, Charlene's so, hosting, now Charlene's a permanent fixture. I, listen, <laughs> I mean, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that, definitely. Um, but if they want to follow me, see me, you can follow me at one Judy Love, and that's the number one at one Judy J D I Love uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I don't know if I could do anymore. I'm sure I've got Snapchat and I don't use it. Now they've got this new clubhouse. I can't. There's too much different stuff. Just Instagram is probably the best place. I've got my website www.judylove.co.uk, or just look for me on your TV guide. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Judy. Thank you for joining us. It's been an amazing conversation. I'm sure everybody's going to get a lot out of hearing your journey. So, guys, make remember to catch every episode of the Black Magic Podcast by subscribing on ACAST, Apple, and all good podcast apps. Spread the word and share the magic. Thanks for joining us, Judy. Bye. Thank you. This podcast is produced by Unedited.